<coughs> excuse me, or a combination with different specials to explore every month each shipment. I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, you, can you, I start you there? Again? Are you okay? Scott, I'm going to start. Are you smelling toast? No, st- Are you smelling burned toast? <coughs> no, I'm not. It's just. Okay. Let's start again. That was gold. This is real. Okay, so don't start again. <laughs> Well, we are rounding the uh, conclusion of the month of August, and it's another glop culture, and I'm John Podhortz in New York. Jonah Goldberg is not with us today, so it's just me and Rob Law. Click. Click. The thing is, you want to wait until everyone, t- until uh, it's like five minutes in before you say, oh, by the way, Jonah's not joining us, because people will turn off now. I know. Well... I, I, and I, I, and and then we lose the rating. Like that's what we always have. Like, you know, like the Nielsen ratings kick in at like minute eleven or something. They used to in the old days, anyway. So all you really needed to do was to keep people's attention for eleven minutes. You know, so so um, Bewitched was like my favorite show growing up, and of course sure, the credits sure. were it would say Elizabeth Montgomery, Dick York, and Agnes Moorhead, or Dick Sargent, right, and Agnes Moorhead. So there were three people credited in the first, I don't know, five seasons or whatever it was. That but, probably took – that deal probably took – that was probably three weeks. <laughs> to get to that credit, the end, adding the end to, to Agnes Moorhead. Anyway. For Agnes Moorhead because she's a star. The thing about Agnes Moorhead is she was only on like half the episodes. So uh, right. you never knew whether it was an Endora episode or not an Endora episode. And then I, I remember one seeing that uh, um, Paul Lind, who played Uncle Arthur – was only on ten. Was only on ten shows. <laughs> the swinging bachelor Uncle yes. Arthur, who was always yes. always chasing after the gals. Yeah. Anyway, he so was only great. on ten episodes, but it was he was such a fantastic character oh, and yeah. presence that great you character. think about that show. You think about that's who you think about Uncle Arthur and Clara, like and Dora, and they weren't on every episode. That's what's what's interesting. No. And every now and then they would have like a cavalcade of stars episode where it'd be every everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be Agnes Moorhead and Uncle Arthur and Aunt Clara and oh, the, Morris, uh, Maurice Evans. Evans yeah. the, the famous uh, um, Hamlet. He was like English the world's stage famous actor. Yeah. He was actually, yeah. 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 So yeah. great. Anyway, the interesting. That's a great show, by the way. A, that was a great show. So that show, what's so interesting about that show is that unlike most that you can think of, individually, the episodes are sort of unmemorable or kind of mediocre. Collectively, they all have the same ending. They yeah, all have the just, same ending. They kiss so that you understand that. No well, matter, the ending yeah. is usually some uh, uh, misunderstanding or some uh, near disaster that happens when Darren brings a client home mm-hmm. for dinner, and Sam, Samantha, or something happens, or Endorse says something, and it's crazy. It's a pitch for the product, for the the new d- detergent. Um, you uh, you clean your clothes like magic, and then um, the client says, "I love it." Larry Tate, well, Larry yeah. Tate, who basically was um, oh, John Slattery in right. Um, right. Mad Men, says, uh, uh, "Darren, that's terrible." And then the client says, "I love it. I love it." Yeah, right. Or he says, says "It's Tate. terribly like, wonderful." With, yeah. Right, and then it all is saved. Um, it's pretty amazing. And it, basically, it is Mad Men. Yeah. It's just a fun right. But the funny thing about the show, but again, all is... the long shots and people staring at the it's camera. It's collectively, and I think there were like 250 episodes or something, collectively, it's like a kind of pop culture masterpiece. But if you break it down yeah. into individual elements, it's like a lot of them were bad, a lot of them were silly. But, but when it popped, and when these sure. characters hit or whatever, and she was fantastic... And so, it was like a it was like a, a stage play. Yeah. It was like like you're watching uh, Noel. Cow- I mean, like not Noel, Cow- but you know, you're watching a big the block comedy scene yeah. and a great stage play where everyone. And I watched, I saw a revival once here up, uptown uh, in on Broadway of um, you um, you can't take it. Oh, with that was such a which great is a revival. nearly nearly perfect yeah. play. Uh, it, it, and the the old grandpa was played by James Earl Jones, which I think would have been he. I don't know how to say this. He was he was he was kind of losing he had a, he had it. So he had an earpiece, yeah. but he was still kind of yeah. losing it. And it was but but everyone in that play 
every performer was fantastic yeah. just crazy 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 yeah. good and there's of course a, you know it's a it's a classic stage play in the second act is a big block comedy scene where everything happens the dinner party the fireworks go off the this the that and it's just like astonishing you're watching it and you're thinking this is just a classic and then i then i saw the other saw that maybe that year later later that year or the next year um i saw uh, midsummer night stream at the at the at the Delacorte, the, you know, Shakespeare in the Park. Um, and, you know, that's like an old, I mean, every, you know, that's kind of the you can't take it with yeah, you of the, of the Shakespeare yeah. canon. Yeah. And it is also perfect. Same. It is a perfect Same play. actress. Same actress plays the ditzy daughter. No, and right. played um, Hermia, right. Anna Lee Ashford, one of the great, yeah. Clown. She's, I believe, now on a show called Be Positive, a Chuck Lorre show on CBS. If you haven't seen it, it's a weird show. Um, it's about a yeah, it's a weird, it's show. a weird show. She is an absolutely fantastic performer. But I, I mean, I think it's it, the other interesting thing about Bewitched is that it came in the days before the demand for continuity. So, just like the Odd Couple, Jonas and my, you know, favorite show which could have four different episodes about when Felix and Oscar met. Without, right, without right, in the thought. Army. Well, one was in the Army, one was in a jury box, one was as kids in Chicago as, during as I recall, the Roaring Twenties. Right, as, as I recall, help me out, yeah. as I recall, and I think other shows, certainly Dick Van Dyke show did this, they would just start the show. The whole show mm -hmm. would be the guys in the service in the 50s. You wouldn't even have like a oh I remember it it was that USO show we did that they didn't even do the doo -doo 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 -doo, that part I think I, I, don't goes, doo -doo 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 -doo. I, I don't remember uh, whether they it was did just or, like right. everybody had been yeah. in the service everybody had been right. in uniform yeah. so it's like well now this is like you know people all over the yeah. country are talking about right. like oh remember we met we met in the yeah. service because everybody met right. in the service they just did but it as I recall to them. At the time that they were making these shows, that anybody would make oh, a yeah. demand that there was canon, that there was a book where everything needed to right, harmonize. Right, right. Well, we said this on episode 22, like this is where Darren went to college, so we can't possibly – we need to look that up in the book to make sure that we're consistent in where Darren went to college or something. So on this show, they would have the same right. 10 actors play every client. Every client on the show, right, like right, people, right, right. Were, people were, there were like guys playing. There was I'm in the detergent yes, Mr. Stevens, yes, Mr. Henderson, the detergent guy, was right. also the same guy who had the dog food. Was also the same guy who yeah. had the travel agency and all of that. And they mm -hmm. just didn't didn't care because it was like they knew these guys could deliver the goods. Yeah. They were funny. Oh, believe they me, made an immediate impression. When you're doing the yeah. show. They made like twenty plus a year, right? Which is actually really, or maybe more. You know, yeah, it's thirty six. Like, see, like we made twenty. Oh, cheers! We made twenty six episodes. It was like, it, it, like you, by the time you got to episode twenty six of the season, you just you you know, people. The last two weeks, people were showing each other brochure because there was no internet brochures of the places in Hawaii we were all going to go, <laughs> not just to brag, but to say, please do not come here. I do not want. To, I'm going to the Kapalua. Do not come to the Kapalua. I don't. I can't look at you anymore. Right. So imagine that. So when you're doing a show, you're like, I, I get whoever. You know that guy was good. Yeah. Let's get, get that back. guy back because we know yeah. we'll get. We'll be done in six months. The 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 um the weird thing about to be which also like all that's kind of sixty stuff is uh there's there are two things. One is for bewitched is unbelievably unbelievably evil and um, unsympathetic character, Darren Stevens. Yes. Maybe the worst person ever yes. on TV. Like, it's hard to imagine, and, I, and I'm not even kidding. It's like his thing was, his kink was, I have this beautiful bride who is literally magic. She can do magic. And I hate her so much. <laughs> That I'm gonna make her. She's got to get on all fours and scrub the floor. Get on your, yeah. get on your, get on your knee, hands and knees, and clean this floor. And she's like, she could. I mean, 
At least say, well, you don't have to do that. I mean, obviously, yeah. magic, so just make it yeah. whatever. But instead, it's like, I mean, I, I even understand if as ethically he's like, listen, this is an unfair advantage that I have because you can just blink us into, you know, Aga Khan-style wealth. Um, and I don't want to do that. I'm an American, and I want to earn it. But I, I also don't think you need to make dinner because I'm kind of in the mood for lobster thermidor. Just blink me a lobster yeah. thermidor, thermidor, right? And, and, but and he just wouldn't do it. Um, and the second thing was that there was also a period at the time that's so innocent and also that period, like the late 60s, half the 60s, where it was like the country was kind of getting loose and swinging, um, but people were still innocent. You know, So I, I refer to that as the Bob Hope in a yeah. hippie wig period, where Bob Hope on a Bob Hope special would like dress up as a hippie and do, hey, man, groovy, all that stuff. So you had this incredibly flaming homosexual, Paul Lynn, playing an incredibly lotho- incredible Lothario woman's, you know, ladies' man. And somehow, like in the horseshoe theory, right, is <laughs> like, oh, well, I, pr- uh, a, a, a flaming homosexual will wear a giant purple shirt and a little tiny little ascot at his neck and an o- and a big loud blazer and platform shoes but so will a lothario anyway it is i mean i i just think it watching shows like that i mean the the interesting thing is <clears throat> so darren is too proud to accept help from his wife right that's the he hates her and he does, and he, he hates, hates her. her. And then the question you always have to ask yourself is, why does she put up with it? What does she love about him? That's the weakness of the show. They could never break down what it was that was lovable about him, except maybe that she appreciated his integrity, that he didn't want anything from her, and that maybe that's what she expected. In that sense, the show, which I believe I read somewhere, it was originally supposed to be about a very rich woman marrying a poor guy. And the drama was, and then they had, then they decided to merge it with this idea of making a sitcom out of bell book and candle. And it does function in that way. It's like, I have married an heiress who can have anything that she wants. And I am not going to use her money for anything, we're going to live off my money. Right. We're going to live in the. Right. We're going to live in Westport in the suburbs. I'm going to go to work every day, and yet, and Gladys Kravitz is going to stare yeah. at you. Anyway, you got to put up with that. Anyway, it's just interesting because you have this. It is a very peculiar set of circumstances that he's supposed to be us. I guess isn't that the idea? He's supposed to be us. We're the he's the ordinary guy in this totally crazy world and we're supposed to relate to him, but we don't relate to him. We no relate way. to her. I think he's a jerk. Yeah. He's a terrible yeah. jerk. But also it isn't at no point is there a moment where he says, "Listen, I love you. I love you for you." Um, and I just feel uncomfortable about getting ahead uh, in this way. Um, so my insistence on living like a normal life is really just because I love you so much, right? There's never that statement. It's always like, Sam, you used the magic vacuum cleaner. You didn't – I want you to see you wash those dishes. Cook me a steak. Like it's all about his – like. Her servitude. I mean, really. Yeah. There, there. I mean, I am just shocked that there's no feminists. Like, I mean, there, there is probably, like, yeah, a class taught be. in women's studies on these shows. I once. I mean, I'll tell a little show. There, I guess we should talk about current, current events or pop culture that it's like. Nah. like I once. Um. In the in the days that they were making these things in the movies, they made a terrible movie about Bewitched. It was really one of the worst. De- it was a desecration. Yeah. I thought. Um. They were also. Uh. I think Sony owned at that point owned a. Um. I dream of Jeannie. And uh, so I Dream of Jeannie, if you're, you know, not a thousand years old, is uh, uh, an American astronaut in the early 60s, lands, um, uh, for somehow lands on a desert island and doesn't die. But his space capsule splashes down in some unknown place and he washes up on a desert island somewhere. I don't know why. And he gets on the beach. And this is all told in the cartoon title sequence. So bear with me if you're you're over 60. Um, 
and he and there's a genie there in a bottle and she comes out of the bottle and now she's his genie and she's beautiful she's barbara eden and she wears like midriff exposing bikini thing with little harem pants and um and she calls him master are you feeling better master and uh and then she's magic and then so she's she calls him master uh and then he takes her home to florida where he lives um and um tries to keep it from keep her from uh, uh, from being exposed because that was also the thing it's like you no one can know no one can know um and so as a result um he uh, his erratic behavior uh another series series regular um is a guy whose name dr. i forget bellows. mr but dr hayden bellows rourke. who was on all, hayden rourke was also kind of a famous um uh gay actor at the time um and Hayden Warwick was a psychiatrist who was always sure that there was something. It was weird. It was like early 60s terror of a psychiatrist discovering that you're insane. Like everybody right. was always like, oh, I must be crazy. I've got to see my psychiatrist. I'm seeing things. And so the psychiatrist always go crazy. Um, and so they were going to – so Sony so owned this, and I, thought, I, I, and I called my agent. I said, listen, I want to I pitch this. I want to pitch them my version. Um, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> Because I don't have, I, you know, I still want to do it, but I, I want them to do it right. I really felt like I was like, uh, I wanted to be like, um, well, you know, when they used to have like a priest on like the set if they're ever doing a religious thing because they wanted the priest to. I wanted to be that priest. I want to be the priest of I Dream of Genie. And my pitch was this: it's like it's a long story that starts in you know the JFK '60s in Florida with like you know cars with big wings and huge Eldorado like giant like hoods and everything and hipsters and like a bat madman basically um, and we do the genie stuff and then it just keeps going in their relationship and finally she and it's all about genie she starts by calling him master and then she gets into feminism in the late '60s and the early '70s and she becomes like a woman's liber and she hates him she's like you made me call you master. And he says, no, I didn't. You called me as part of your thing. You didn't have to call me master. That's stuff you brought to the relationship. And she's like, no, you you made me do all this stuff, and you never let me be who I really am. And then she goes through in the 70s, and she has kind of like this weird awareness, and she goes to Esalen, and she does all this crazy stuff. And then um, and then in the 80s, then she becomes – she's like works in an investment bank, and she's like a big person up there in, in uh, from Michael Milken. And they get back together in like the late 90s as old people – um, and with children, and they they reunite after all this time. Like and they, they they realize that well, you know, the times are crazy, and maybe we should just be our. And so I, I had a whole romance. Um, and uh, I said it to my agent. Said that's what I want to pitch. And her response was, um, I forget, like uh, something like, yeah, they're not going to go that way. <laughs> uh, so well. And they well, never made it. You know, they uh, they keep announcing that they're going to make new Bewitched and make make Ugh. a new genie, and and you can't, you can't do it. Like the Bewitched that Nora Ephron made, which was a disaster, was an effort to try to figure out how are you going to tell the story about this person with unlimited powers marrying this guy who has no power and make it interesting. Like what? What? How does that work? And it's the same problem of the 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 appeal of I Dream of Genie is guy gets a slave girl. That's the story. How do you tell that story yeah, right. after the swing in sixties? You can't tell it. They can't break it down. And the whole genie concept, of course, is that the reason that she has to be a slave or a genie has to be a slave is that otherwise the universe would end because you'd have this creature with unlimited powers who could do anything. Those powers right. have to be directed, have to be limited and balanced by something else. So they can't fix it. Like they have these, <laughs> this IP, right? This like legendary IP. Right, these right. series are shown every day somewhere and you can't fix it. But I'm still struck by the fact that in the 1960s, you made this show. It was a prediction of feminism. It came out the year yeah, right. that the feminine mystique right. came out, and it was powerful woman hides her light under a bushel because oh, because yeah. not to do so was too threatening to the status quo. I mean, that that's basically Darren's the status quo, and she is this kind of kooky aristocrat with these bohemian. Right, and she had her own doctor. 
Doctor Bombay. Bombay. Oh, you're talking about like yeah, Doctor yeah. Bombay, uh, and then um, and then, but they also do this weird thing where she and both she, but both Jeannie and um, Bewitched had this. Thing, <laughs> they did this thing um, where like, oh, your cousin's coming to visit. Your identical yeah. cousin. They're always like identical cousins, and so uh, Samantha's identical cousin was like Serena. Serena yes, who was like a, and she was kind of like a, a hippie a girl. Co- well, sometimes she was basically like a kooky aristocrat, like a like a like a Vassar girl who was yeah. living in the village. And she was singing, and she played yeah, guitar. She played guitar right. Some version of like Joni Mitchell yeah. folk music yeah. in the early Joni yeah. Mitchell days. I'm also struck by this thing, and I know I said this in my my most recent piece for you in commentary, is that there's a time when you could watch the san- the, the sanitized version of actual people on TV, like Gomer Pyle, USMC, was a grunt, a marine grunt who at that time in real life was getting on, on a plane and flying to Da Nang. In the, and, and it was, the Gomer Pyle was the number one show in the country, or close to it, in 1968 during the Tet Offensive, when the, the worst year of the Vietnam War. It's never mentioned. You're, just, you're like, oh, well, he's just there. And like, you never, they never pan up to, like, to a bunch of empty bunks and say, well, I guess those guys went. Like, nobody ever goes anywhere. Uh, I mean, there, I mean. Um, And I still say the same thing about the hippie chick, you know, the Serena or uh, Goldie Hawn in Laughing or something. On TV, it's Serena singing Iffin with her guitar or, you know, um, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn and Cactus Flower is this hippie chick living in Greenwich Village who wants to marry a dentist. She wants right, to marry right. a dentist. It's all about taking right. these these sort of like outre types and stuffing them back in the bottle of conventionality or something like right. that. Anyway. Meanwhile, the actual hippie chick in the world was Squeaky Fromm. <laughs> like on, in real life, it's Squeaky Fromm that you're worried about. Was, again, if you're not 60, was one of the Manson yes. family, right? That's the hippie chick that is actually outside IRL. On the TV, it's like, oh, it's just Serena. It's a, it basically, it's Elizabeth Montgomery yes. wearing a buckskin vest. Well, look, Rob, uh, I don't. Yes. I'm beyond this problem myself, so I am now relating this information to people who might be able to take advantage of it. Because 80 million men and women in the U.S. experience thinning hair. I experienced it. And it's gone, so don't look at me. <laughs> but it's still not openly talked about, which can make going through it feel scary and stressful, and that just adds to the problem. Nutrafol is formulated with potent botanicals to help you grow hair as strong as you are, and it's physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use natural, clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through whole body health. On top of thicker, stronger hair, Without lasers or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep, stress response, skin's nails, and libido. <clears throat> Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back in your hands. When you subscribe, you'll, you'll receive monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose. Shipping is free, and you can pause or cancel anytime. Does it work? Yes. In clinical studies, Nutrafol users saw thicker. Stronger hair growth with less shedding in three to six months. 72% of men saw more scalp coverage, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after six months. Whether you're experiencing thinning or not, you deserve hair as strong as you are. Nutrafol can help you achieve your best hair growth naturally. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using code GLOP to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer, available anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code GLOP for hair as strong as you are. And we thank Nutrafol for sponsoring the GLOP podcast. I want hair stronger than me. I don't think I'm the... I don't think I'm the you, the you, you at least uh, have I, a little. By the way, hair when I left. hear that, you have a little hair left. By the way, I'm like, I'm oh, like, I'm like me. You have you, a little hair left. What do you mean I have a little hair left? You have a lot of hair left, is what I'm saying. Oh, that's like, that's yeah. well, I mean, I do. I mean, I, but I do. I'm noticing it's going. It's it's like I have less up front. And I had a friend in high school, uh, um, who uh, was like, 
like the handsome guy in the class, and then became the handsome young man when we all went to college. He's just handsome. He's just a handsome person. And uh, and I remember seeing him a few years, not a few years ago, actually, I haven't seen him in a bunch of years, but like uh, l- later we, we got together, I came to New York, and we were hanging out, and um, and he, you know, he had a, his hair was going back a little bit. And he said, listen, a man of a certain age, you got to show a little forehead. <laughs> Which is true. Uh, but he that it stopped and he looks fine. But I I do when I get my hair cut I do say how does it look back there because I don't have the the pattern the crown but I have it you know it's it's going back and I'm I am um I I am monitoring it so I may I may be a a, a neutrophil customer but I am I am monitoring it in a way that I'm I'm. I'm also monitoring my monitoring of it. You know what I mean? Like I'm also noticing that I'm noticing it. Like, okay, really? I just want to say this: that that Tom Wolfe in his novel *A Man in Full* made me feel so good about going bald. I can't tell you because he describes his hero Charlie Corker sitting at a table trying to be. There's a guy from a bank who is trying to ritually humiliate him. Because the guy is trying to sort of get him to agree to wind his company down or whatever it is. Yeah, the workout. The workout, right? And 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 Wolf describes Chase this big bruiser of a Georgian, and he says, "So much testosterone is coursing through his body that it popped all the hairs off the top of his head." <laughs> Which actually turns out to be true, that apparently there is some connection between yeah. uh, testosterone right. and baldness anyway. And so the minute that I read that, I was like, I am bald, baby. I am Mr. Testosterone. I have so much testosterone, it's popping off the top of my head. <laughs> swing, swing, tentpole. Uh, I work with a writer who is a very talented guy, very funny guy, and he had some... I don't know what did it, Crohn's disease. He had some disease that uh, caused that meant he was on some steroid. I can't remember what it was. Whatever it meant was that he was um, his testosterone levels were uh, below. You know, basically, he had the testosterone of a nine-year-old girl, and so naturally produced. And so um, they gave him an injection. To give himself every week of testosterone. I can't think of they call it free testosterone or something. This is the, st- the stuff that's like just in your, you know, around. And uh, it was Wednesday mornings. And you could always tell because for like two hours on Wednesday morning, he was really aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, it was really like, you took your shot, right? Yes, I got my shot. Can we get this done now? Like, you know, excuse me. I'm actually the showrunner. You're supposed to not yell at me like that. He said, I'm sorry. I just, ugh. When are we gonna order lunch? He was like, it was like, and then it would just, you know, I guess it just absorbs into your fat cells. I guess I don't really know what happens, and it's stored there for use later. But for a while, it was that was real That's fascinating. You know, I, um, I just want to point out that we, we're talking about this whole question of bewitched, and it's, uh, and it's, um, you know, the fact that it wasn't important that everything be, you know, follow this logical consistency right. because there were people who were on the internet who were going to say, "Aha, you missed this," but and, and the other thing, and so you could have every character played by the same person. You could have the same drunk everywhere. I mean, this guy, Dick Wilson, who ended up being Mr. Whipple, the Charmin guy, <laughs> right. who was on like 20 episodes of Bewitched as a drunk who would always see the magic happening and then couldn't get anybody to believe him because right. he was so drunk. And then he, and then the, the punchline to that scene is always that guy picking up the phone and, and saying, I got to call my psychiatrist. <laughs> right. Anyway. Because a crazy, anyway, crazy person sees so things. So people yeah. are paying extraordinarily close attention to trivialities in the United States. Is this canon? What's happening? I mean, yeah. what, what, what right. comic book right. is this villain from and all of this? But uh, we were having this conversation just before we went on the air about what is about the horrors unfolding in Afghanistan, and this question that is raised, which I think the Biden people are betting on, which is that while everybody is consumed with the study of pop culture trivialities, that actually functions as a way of creating a kind of um, amnesia about more right. important things. And that basically, whatever people are feeling now 
is just going to fade away until there's the next controversy or until there's a new Kardashian show or until some meme comes up on the internet that horrifies everybody and we will forget the scenes at the airport. We'll forget people dying in the wells yeah. of the, you know. Of, Do you think that's going to happen? No, but I, I but we wanted to, I, I think it happens I think it doesn't happen because I don't think that what we're seeing here ends. Like, I don't think that it's like there's a hurricane and the hurricane ends. Right. I mean, you can't, you're not going to scroll past Yeah, there, there is, there is an ongoing crisis that is not going to the ongoing crisis of the 15,000 Americans who can't get to no, the I, airport, I, the 20,000 right. Afghans who are at risk of being murdered by the Taliban. If they can't get out somewhere, the fact that we can't land, we can only, there's one, one runway at this airport trying to evacuate tens of thousands of people. All of that, I think, and the Taliban right. at some point losing patience and just going on a marauding slaughterhouse. The new Taliban, right. though. May, it's, yeah, it's the, the brand new, new, new Taliban. It's yeah. the new Taliban. New, new, yeah. new and improved. Uh, that's, that would be what Samantha would make a mistake with the roast beef and someone say, like, uh, oh, you burnt the roast beef. Well, sometimes um, it's not what's on the out, scary on the outside, but on the inside, it's it's great. It's sort of like the the Taliban, and they should pan over to Mujahideen there, who's having basically rebranding it with a. And it, I, I, uh, Larry Tate goes, I hate it. I, I like it. I like it too. That's it. That's exactly. That could be what's that's happening. Exactly yeah. the analogy that I think. Yeah, makes that you were going for. Well, I mean, I actually think. I mean, I don't know. Like that. I, it does feel like we scroll through. Like I, I really do believe that we're like, oh, I don't like this show anymore. So I'm gonna flip, and we just naturally do it. I, I do. I have had this conversation with more than one person spontaneously about, which is a very weird thing. I guess I don't know if anybody in any other era thought this way, but like, won't it be weird in the future when we remember COVID? Which is a weird kind of construction that's like kind of weirdly modern, but, um, but I, I think I don't. I, I'm not. It's 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 fundamentally different from the fall of Saigon, even though the picture looks the same, because it's not after 52,000 American casualties and uh, a decade of riots in the streets. Um, the 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 truth about American involvement in Afghanistan, whether you were in favor of it or not in favor of it, whether you think it was smart or not smart, is that the 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 actual number of troops deployed in Afghanistan was quite low. The number of casualties in Afghanistan the past 18 months was like zero, I think. So American casualties. So it, it isn't the same. Um, but it does – I mean I don't know. I, I found myself the first day or the first 36 hours really, really depressed about America. That this is a fundamentally unserious country. Like everyone blaming Biden for it I thought was right. And everyone blaming Trump for it, I thought, was right. And when the, my conclusion to that was maybe it's our fault as Americans. Maybe we're just not serious. When we're a serious, a pur serious purpose thing we just can't do. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, what, what – at the end – I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm revealing my bias, though. I think we should have stayed. But, like, we had to make it a story. We couldn't just sit, make it this like brutal real politic thing. We had to turn it into a story. So it's like, oh no! So these are for the so we're here so the little girls can go and she they can become they can uh, become STEM scholars. No, we were there. We're, we're just, there to prevent the Taliban keep, from being yeah, in power yeah, the, the, and doing things that would harm the rest the of the yeah. world. And now what we've done. It's not much of a yeah. story, though. Like, right? It's like it's a, there's no beginning, yeah. middle, and end. There's no crane shot. Right. It's like, are the Taliban living in caves? Yes. Let's stay. Right. Let's let uh, the minimum effort, American effort, just to accomplish that. Which we, we, I mean, that's what the that's what troops in Europe did right. for sixty years. That's what they do in Japan right now. That I mean. I mean, nobody at the end of the of the year looking at the things you spent money on say, "Look at all this money I spent on fire insurance." Right. What an idiot! I didn't even have a fire. Okay, but here's like well, I was I was so dumb I didn't even have a fire. Here's the difference between the end of the Vietnam War and our presence in Southeast Asia and now, which speaks to not our speaks to an interesting change because we look at social media we look at the internet and we think it makes us unserious it makes us it gives us add and we don't pay attention to things and we skip on to the next thing but when we pulled out of uh 
South Vietnam and we left Saigon and there were these humiliating pictures and all that. That was a very slow acting poison because it was it was bad enough or things were uh, weird enough that, you know, famously about a year later in Cambodia, uh, the New York Times published this infamous article in 1973, which was Indochina after America for most a better life. Meanwhile, as that article, that was the headline, as that article was going on, the Khmer Rouge were killing 2 million people. Uh, the, the North Vietnamese had sent millions of people to re-education camps in the North and uh, created the conditions under which the boat people started to escape uh, from, from Vietnam. And that really only hit critical mass in 1979, five year, four years after we pulled out. And the slow-acting poison was in part due to the fact that we didn't have any eyes on the ground. We were out of there. We didn't have intelligence. We didn't have reporters. People didn't want to know what was going on. People didn't want to pay attention. And then it came back in a mad onrush. Cambodia, there was a Holocaust going on in Cambodia. There oh were God, yeah. a million and a half people fleeing Vietnam in leaky boats because they had been sentenced to, you know, a gulag, a Stalinist hell on earth. And then it all came back hitting us now. And now we're going to watch this in real time. A, we're there, and B, everybody in in Kabul has a ca- has a phone and a camera, and they can take footage. Right. They can film right. what's going to be going on. There. And I think also the the um, the the disaster of Vietnam, which I, I think the the North Vietnamese got away with a lot because Cambodia was so terrible. Um, Cambodia was so terrible that people forgot that actually North, that actually the Vietnam was pretty terrible too. Uh, but you had to kind of like drill down because Cambodia was so incredibly lurid and over the top. I mean, that was an auto 30% of the 60% of the country killed th- the other 30%. It was crazy, yeah. right? Um, in, in Cambodia. Um, boy, this is not a fun conversation, no. but <laughs> I guess, but, but I, it was decoupled from, it, 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 unless you were reading the nation, or something like that, or the New York Times, I guess, which I repeat myself. But unless you were reading one of those, right? Um, it was sort of decoupled culturally from American behavior. Like the, the 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 all of those things unfolded later or more distantly, or as you put it, nobody had phone, camera phones, so it didn't seem tied into an American decision, even though it was. Whereas I think this was gonna. Although I did hear. Um, I did hear a terrible uh, calculation, which is that maybe, um, I mean, how many Afghans want to come to the country now? Well, it's like 18,000 were on the list. Right. Yeah. Which is probably, I mean, I wonder if that list is is like already been, they've already had the hard conversations. Well, I mean, things are too chaotic. Uh, Yeah. I mean, things, bad things are going to happen despite the fact that our wonderful friends uh, on the right, on the nationalist right are saying things like, we don't want all these Afghan refugees here. I think we do. First of all, we do. Second of all, uh, I I mean, they can go blank themselves uh, because uh, they're going to get murdered because they helped us. And uh, that means they helped you too, Sean Davis of the Federalist, you animal. <laughs> hey, hey, I, but that, that's not me. Look I know. At me. I'm not. I know. I'm not, I know. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm, they, well, they, also, like, I, don't we want them? I mean, you know, maybe we should take in every every non-vaccinated person who dies of COVID should be replaced by an Afghan. I mean, look, I said this on the commentary podcast today, just before we recorded this, like. Uh, the Vietnamese who came here uh, uh, as boat people have been nothing but a glorious addition to oh the God. American, you know, to the American cultural mosaic. Yeah. And uh, same can be said of almost, you know, the Cubans. Everybody you can mention who has had to flee here in fear of their lives yeah. from a totalitarian regime. And I don't want to hear these guys who are, you know, who who act like. Who who act like unless unless you came over on the Mayflower you shouldn't be allowed to come here. There are no people well, who came over on the Mayflower. I know Rob, you can be here. I'm I'm happy to have you. Here. Can I? I, can I but I would say I would. Say, I mean, yeah, I agree with all that politically. I just I, I guess I would just say that the the first of all, I don't understand why conservatives don't like. I mean, those those people tend to be 
I mean, they are the they are the coming. I think probably conservative Republican majority. You don't know why they don't like them? Well, I do I do I do I do. Okay, I do I do I do. I'm just trying to like I'm just trying to keep it real up yeah. scale. I say uh, 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 my writing partner was told me he was buying a house um, and uh, or selling his house, and the um, the offer came in. It was like way below asking. Um, and the, his, his realtor said it was offered by somebody who I can't actually mention the person's name because he was the son with the production company of a, the president of a major studio. And the, 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 uh, the realtor delivered this offer this way. He said, what they lack in funds, they make up for in their ability to make things happen for people. And he looked at her and he said, yeah, no, we're not countering. The offer is – the, the, the price is the price. And her response was – which I loved was like, hey, let's keep this real upscale, okay? Oh, my God. So um, let's keep this real upscale. So I'm trying to keep it real upscale. You know what's upscale? Oh, is this a segue? Yeah. You know what's upscale is wild Alaskan seafood. Wild Ooh, Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination with different specials to explore every month. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be, always wild, never farmed or modified. No antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer 100% satisfaction guarantee to your money back. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company, and right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash clop. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash clop for $15 off your first box. WildAlaskanCompany.com slash glop. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you, and we thank Wild Alaskan Company for sponsoring the Glop podcast. Rob, um, we did not get a chance to talk about the fact that there is a um, tsunami overtaking Hollywood tsunami. in the form of oh, yeah. these gig- both gigantic deals, billion dollar deals. Uh, basically being funded by hedge funds, uh, getting involved in show business as show business is going through this like once in a century or maybe once in a half century if you want to take the introduction of television, but this this, uh, total disruption. Uh, We've got got Reese Witherspoon's company sold for – I don't know, five hundred million or nine hundred million dollars to uh, to depends on how, how you, you calculate it. Depends on how you schedule it. Out. Uh, yeah, we have uh, the guys from South Park basically getting a billion dollars to continue making right. South Park through uh, Paramount, and um, and then we have the, this lawsuit, Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit, claiming that she uh, was screwed right. out of tens of millions of dollars because Disney changed the release of Black Widow uh, in violation of her contract. And uh, and either this is an indication that show business will remain at the center of everything, it's just going to be totally restructured, or this is all some kind of a weird moment at which we are seeing an avalanche, like a, cha- a moment of total chaos uh, that is right. going to be followed by uh, a kind of total reshuffling of everything in sort of 10 years of 10 years of gloom. Yeah, no, I mean like I, it feels to me like all all of what will happen at the end is sort of what's happening at the beginning, which is um which is going to be very good for people who are famous. Because the, the if you're famous, that is the the most important thing for a movie or for a per, for a project, right? Some marquee, some name to put on marquee. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you know, if a I don't know, famous showrunner, you know, uh, Shonda Rhimes, something like that, right? Um, because you got to cut through all the channels. So to um, work backwards, so, so the so the the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit is simply this, right? I mean, you in the old days, uh, you got paid uh, the flat fee, studio fee, plus a bonus to be in the movie. 
And then if you were a star, you got a little bit later on in like the 70s, 80s, whatever, 90s, or you were Schwarzenegger, you got a piece of the back end, the modified adjusted gross receipts. And they have, you know, modified adjusted gross, which they... (laughs) They used to call MAGA. They don't do that anymore. Um, or they, or like adjusted modify all these like crazy weasel words for you're gonna get swindled, right? Because what we're gonna say is, is the, the the movie is really huge, and um, actually there are no profits, and that happened a lot in Hollywood. And then somebody like Schwarzenegger comes along and says, "Wait a minute, I'm gonna get my cut from dollar one, and dollar one meant we don't, you don't, we split off the top. My my num- my money comes off the top." Um, and then that happened in, in TV too. People had these big back, what they call back end definition. Um, and there were two calculations in television as a writer, right? One is, um, uh, you got to pay me up front a lot of money up front because the back end, I don't know if the back end's going to happen. Um, and then the studio would say, Hey, listen, okay, we can't, obviously we can't, we're not going to, we can't pay you a million dollars an episode, um, but we can give you a big back end. And so the calculation was okay. Um, if you if you pay me a little less now, you're going to have to give it to me in the back end. Pay now, which was usually what the studio would do. They would give it to you in the back end because, in, in all sense of the word, because by the time you got to the back end, they would also like a million charges, right? So they got very complicated where you're going to get your money, what pool you're going to get your money. And if you're Scarlett Johansson, you say, I'm going to get my money from dollar one from the box office receipts. And the studio says, fine, except the world has changed. It's like, well, we don't even know if we're going to like make it a wide release because wide releases are expensive and we don't really need a kabuki release like kind of 1500 theaters nothing really big um for a big movie because we're trying to drive you people to watch disney plus and she there's no way for her to calculate her value to disney plus um so so then her lawyers went to disney and said well wait how do we know you're not gonna just do a small release so our, our clients don't get paid that much um and just turn it on to disney plus and there's an email that um, Disney executive wrote to her lawyer and agent saying, don't worry, we're not going to do that. We assure you we are not going to do that. And if we do that, we will renegotiate. Well, what happened was they did it. That usually when somebody in a movie studio tells you, listen, here's the one thing that we're not going to do. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. But I, when I've had TV shows, that I would call the, 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 my network and say, hey, listen, um, uh, I, I, I'm getting a lot of calls from people. Are, are, are you going to cancel us? I know, I know, you, you, you know, I know we're on the bubble, but are we, have we been canceled? And they would say, no, emphatically not. We're not canceling you. We love the show. We're not canceling you. And I would hang up the phone and think, oh my God. <laughs> and that's what happened, right? They got a memo and said, we're not going to do this. And then they did it. And then now she's suing them and saying, well, you're going to have to, you can't do that. You can't use the one thing I've got, which is my stardom to sell your stupid streaming service so that your executives can get streaming service increased profit bonuses and I don't get any value out of right. that. I'm the star and I deserve it. And she's 100% right. right and I think she's going to get her so money. Here's a- and it was dumb for the studio. The studio should just give her the money. They should, this should never be in court. It should never have been. The, the, the yes. fact that it's a lawsuit means that the studio right. failed. Well, so in the law, in the larger picture, people like you, you went into the business and you got successful, and the, there was an understanding that um, the system had this outsized potential reward. Uh, best description of yeah. this is in a is in a novel called Artistic Differences by Charlie Hawk, which is about yeah. making yeah. Valerie Harper's show Valerie, and it is. Get to 100 episodes. If you get to 100 episodes, the show sells into syndication, and everybody gets rich, right? That was that was the, the 80s. Like, 100, 200 episodes, and you're set for life, and this is what, if you're sitting at the farmer's market with all your, with all your friends uh, uh, near the Grove, and you're want, having breakfast, and this is what you're all hoping for. Get on a show. It makes 100 episodes. They sell it into syndication. And you've made your pile, and you can buy your three houses, and everything is great. Now, the whole point here is that that, uh, and then you had these people getting 
rich, right. crazy rich. Right. And all of Great this dream. is about ending that, right? All of this is about, yes, Shonda Rhimes, who existed at the tail end of the old system, or Ryan Murphy, who existed at the tail end of the old system, or Chuck Lorre, who existed at the tail end. They're all billionaires from what it is that they're doing. Nobody here on in, in the way that this business is being structured, is going to sort of have this liquidity event in the same way. Right. And so... That's what that's what stri- strikes me as, as interesting. Like, except yeah. they might. Except they might. So the two things are one is that this, the Hollywood's moving to a very, 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 very foolish profit killing uh, system, which and you know it's dumb because now uh, it's attracted the attention of hedge funds and investors, which is we're gonna because it's simple. You understand it. We're going to make stuff, and people are going to pay for the stuff. That's how we make money, right? That's how McDonald's makes money. I don't make money, right? Except Hollywood does not make money that way. Doesn't I mean, the movie studios, first of all, are terrible businesses until very, very recently, and they still aren't that great. Um, they make money by kind of renting the movie to somebody who then rents the movie theater and then kind of sells you milk duds at a 2,000% markup, and that makes them a little rich, and then – and then they sell it later to the cable thing, and there's ads, and like, like everybody has a side or two or three side gigs here. And um, the ruthless efficiency of Netflix is great, except the ruthless efficiency is terrible if what you want to make a profit. Like it's not great. I mean, if you're selling, uh, if you if your product is being sold at Walmart, you are making like .01 cents. Uh, of a margin, Walmart is ruthlessly cutting your prices down all the time. That is not that, that doesn't get you a kidney-shaped pool, right? That's right. not going to happen. Um, it's the fat that does it. It's the excess. Right. It's the you, know, you drive around L.A. and you look at these big houses and these people ride around in cars. And what do they do? They're just transaction people. But if the tra- if the margins are 001 percent, like what's where's the where's the transaction money? Look, look at it this way. You make this product, and the whole thing of the last 50 years has been extending the product's life to ever-increasing numbers of secondary markets. So you make a movie, and until the 1940s, the movie went into theaters, and then it was in theaters, and you made money on theaters, and that was it. And then there was television. So you had a movie, and you showed it in theaters, and then you could sell it to television. And then there was cable. So you could sell it to television. You could sell it to cable. Then there were then there were VCRs. So you could sell it to television. You could sell it to cable. And then you could have a, vi- you could have a video cassette. Then there were DVDs. So you could have... One, two, three, four. Then there was this. Then there was streaming. And now what Netflix right. is doing and what all these streaming services are doing is compressing all of this back to there's one yeah. place you can see it, and that's it. And we're ke- – For one, one price. price. For one we're price. We're paying $100 million for the product, and that's it. And you make it, and then you figure out how much it costs, and then you figure out how much you distribute the rest of the money to your people – and we're out, and you're not. There's not going to be any foreign. <laughs> there's going to be nothing. Yeah, That's it. Nothing. And that is interesting because it is business killing. You are you are killing off the thing well, that that has made there be a world of people who want to do this, want to create this stuff. And okay, it, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you, you and you, you killed the, the fuzziness of it, which allows you to discover right. stuff. So the, the 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 if there's there's it's hard to take entrepreneurial risk if what it's all about is like your customer pays a monthly fee for unlimited whatever and so like without that cushion you're you can't really bet on stuff I mean you know that we all have that experience on Netflix of seeing that there's a bajillion shows that you've never heard of and they're just there. Um, and I, I feel like that's a pro, that's definitely the part of the pro, part of the challenge I think in the future. But what I love about it is that it it um, whenever there's this giant influx of money into show business, the best bet is that those people are going to lose it, all mm-hmm. of their money, that they're not going to get anything for it. That it, traditionally that's how it works. They may not work anymore that way. I don't know. The world have, could have changed. People could have changed. I just don't think the world and people change right. ever. So it seems to me that when you like right, you're opening the, the newspaper, like new deals for this, and new deals for that, and this person buying that, and this person buying that, it feels to me like a uh, low interest rate environment 
enormous amount pools of capital waiting to be invested in and and a lot of people in Connecticut, you know, Greenwich, you know, a billion style offices thinking they're super smart and um, investing money that they're going to lose. They, 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 only I think only smart people really lose big right. money. Dumb people don't well, let's lose talk big about money. people who make big money. But first, before we do that, I want to talk to you about the X chair, the luxury supercar of office chairs. The chair that has changed the way people function because they enjoy sitting in their chair because of its patented dynamic variable lumbar support, already best in class with incredibly responsive low back support. But now it's got this LMAX temperature regulation. Takes your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling heat and massage in your low back. Let's say you're feeling a bit warm this summer. You can set your LMAX to cooling. It's in the chair. If the air conditioning in your home is cranked up too high, you can set your LMAX to heating. It'll warm up and soothe your tired muscles. And if you're feeling stressed, you turn on LMAX massage therapy and relax. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you're working. It's crazy. It delivers cooling heat and massage technology directly to your core. There has never been a better time to ditch that old no-name office chair. Boost your productivity by treating yourself to the joys of X-Chair. Go to xchairglop.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, glop, G-L-O-P.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair and save $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairglop.com now and use code XWheels for free XWheel Blaycasters. xchairglop.com, and we thank XChair for sponsoring the Glop podcast. Now, let's talk about the smartest people in show business, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. So, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, yeah. In 1995, for a guy named Doug Herzog, make a video Christmas card for him using little right. cutout figures. And it's a war between Jesus and Santa. There can be only one. Who will win in the battle between Jesus and Santa? Four little kids <laughs> watching this war. This turns into South Park. Okay? South Park has now been on the air for 25 years. Something like that. Insane, right? It's 25 so years. Just because, the, because like, yeah. uh, cartoons don't get old. In 2007, Jesus, yeah. they renegotiate their deal with Comedy Central. And they say, you know what? We're going to stop doing this. Comedy Central's like, no, 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 don't stop doing this. And they're like, because literally it's yeah, all they right. had. On so um, here's the deal that they made. You know, pay us whatever you're paying, paying a huge, huge amount of money for us to make this show. And then we want 50% of the digital assets of the show. This is 2007. So YouTube has just started. There's no streaming, like not, there's no iPhone yet, or the iPhone is just coming right. in. Right. Netflix right. is still sending you discs in the mail. They're like, we want half of digital, and and Viacom says fine. We have no idea how much money they have made as a result of this deal. Chances are, it is the most money that anybody has ever made ever off of anything. And that's just one product right. line. One product line, yeah. and they're still getting they get their fees for making it and having it aired on Comedy Central and whatever cut they get of other stuff that isn't the digital streaming universe. And they just made a deal to keep going for 10 years while making South Park movies and stuff like that. And that deal apparently is a billion dollars, and they still maintain the digital rights deal that they had back in 2007. These guys are geniuses of a very, very yeah. rare order. And, like, they, people are always talking about other people. Not only that, they made a musical. They made Book of Mormon, which I have great problems with, has run for 10 years. I mean, obviously. Yeah, saw, touring yeah, and everything. Um, yeah. Has made, and they made $650 couple, million yeah. dollars on Broadway alone. They made a hilarious movie. They made two hilarious movies, right? South yeah. Park. Well, I didn't see the other one. And yeah. Team I didn't America. See the movie. Team America, the 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 Team America, I think is that has this is the secret to their success. Um, uh, in Team America, if, I must, and I'm also surprised how many people haven't seen Team America, but um, it it's it's incredibly funny. 
Like, I, I don't remember laughing that hard in the theater until I saw Team America. It is like uh, generationally like the like airplane. It's that funny, right? It's even funnier, I think, because it's cultural. Um, they, for some reason, <laughs> they it's a lot about movie stars uh, pandering to uh, uh, um, Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-un. Right? It was, yeah. Kim, was it Kim Jong-il? Kim Jong, no, yeah. no, Kim, Kim Jong-un. It was Kim Jong-il. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so all the movie stars there, Alec Baldwin and Susan Sarandon, people like that. Matt Damon. And they're all they're all puppets. And Matt Damon's there, but Matt Damon doesn't it say anything. Says Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. He's, uh, Matt Damon. In in a kind of a voice that is that people use to make fun of the of the of, of people with um, you know mental disabilities, and that's all he says. That's his only line. Every time they pan over to him, he's I'm Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, it's not even contextual. It's yeah. just it's just a slam. And somebody asked him, they asked them, said, oh, "Well, aren't you worried?" after this movie that Matt Damon will never work with you? <laughs> I don't know which one of them looked at like, like we have no interest ever in working <laughs> with Matt Damon. Like, are you not yeah. paying attention to what we do? And that to me is the secret. That's why they're billionaires and then why they deserve it because they just don't care. They're not trying to do anything other than be funny and like do their thing and if they're interested in doing a, mu- a musical, doing a musical. If it's in doing a cartoon, they do a cartoon or a movie. That's all they want to do. And the power that you have in Hollywood especially, if it, the only power you have in Hollywood is the power of the alternative, the, the right to say no. And that's it. And once you say yes, you're kind of enmeshed in the world, and you're going to have all these other things you got to think about. And you really end up do thinking about, like, well, I don't – what if Matt Damon sees this and I see him later at a party? But if you're these guys, you're like, we don't go to – I don't have – I have no interest in going to those parties. So um, their genius is just that – is that they just do it. And yeah. they can buy and sell Matt Damon ten times over. Matt Damon is a piker compared to them. Matt Damon is a pauper. Matt Damon – Matt Damon <laughs> yeah. is a day player. <laughs> Matt Damon has ten – But that's not – two that's, dollars that's, in his the, wallet. But that is and the – What yeah. I'm saying is that is the result yes. of their attitude. It's not the right. cause well, of I mean, first of all, They are not dismissive yeah. of, of, of show business right. and show business people right. now that they're yeah. rich. They they are rich because they are and, right. they are dismissive and of that they world. are dismissive of liberalism. Ultimately, the secret to South Park, which is a very iconoclastic show, it's not that it's conservative because it ain't conservative. It's very nihilistic. It's very libertarian. It's very this, but it is the place in America where you go to watch liberal roast you know nostrums get roasted. That is the part of right. the key. And, and they, they do not suffer fools. They're very sophomoric. They're often very gross. They're incredibly <laughs> disrespectful to conventional yeah, values and religion and all of that. But they really don't like liberals. I mean, that is the funniest yeah. aspect of it. And it is, you know, a show that could very easily be on Fox. That's the great, grave secret. It could be on the Fox News channel right now. Yeah, or, or or it should be on Fox Broadcasting yeah. now, but I mean they, they can't right. they can't they can't right. get there at yeah. Fox Broadcasting. But if you want to know who I mean, Greg Gutfeld yeah. is, Greg Gutfeld is the South Park pundit. Yeah. That is that is what Greg Gutfeld wants to be, or you know what where the Greg Gutfeld sensibility is entirely derived from South Park. I would say, in some fashion. Yeah, well, or I think it's like it's it's coincident with it. I mean, you know, I think it these uh, those that's a kind of a humor that it first requires that you've had some experience, maybe a corrosive experience with, um, with the sort of popular left wing culture and the popular left wing culture uh, uh, institutions and their acolytes. It's like you can always tell. Sometimes you see. You know, you hear people sometimes conservative commentators, and it's just when they they talk about the liberals, it's like it's, it's like noise. Like they don't they don't really know any. They live in a world in which everyone's conservative, making fun of people outside their their little bubble, and it just isn't as funny or interesting. But there are people like Greg, who I know very well, who had like uh, two careers before he came mm-hmm. to Fox News in magazines and magazine writing. And he already knows all those people. And he went to Berkeley. And, like, he already has these, like, this comes from a place that's real and authentic. And I think that Matt and Trey have that same 
that same kind of like bedrock and also kind of weird unlike greg i think they're they're very they they are apolitical but they just hate skulls right. and blue stockings and those people yeah. happen to be liberals right now and and um and 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 that's why i think conservatives love it uh although they will turn their fire on conservatives I mean, yeah. book of mormon was sort of a version of that um so I don't know. Like the, the thing about it is that like the reason that you have to pay them billions of dollars is because they are the only ones doing it, mm-hmm. and the Hollywood is not growing any more of those. In fact, they're cutting them down and sowing the ground that grows Matt and Trey's with salt. The culture. So you're you're going to end up only having a little these two guys. They're getting older and older and older. And I hope they're taking care of themselves because. They're it. There's nobody else doing it because Hollywood doesn't want that. I mean, it does because it's profitable, but it will never take the risk ever, at least in my lifetime, take risks again the way it took. They took risks to put that on Comedy Central. And with that, I think we should probably wish everybody a great Labor Day because um, oh I think God. we're not going to be back on until September and Jonah will be back with us. Uh, everybody needs to subscribe to the Martini Shot, right? Thank you. Yep. Go to yep, go please. to your podcast supplier and look for the Martini Shot. If you're not listening to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast, go and subscribe to that as well. And to Commentary Magazine, where you can read Rob Long every month uh, and his uh, often uh, extraordinarily delayed on deadline delivery of the... I have vertigo. He's a, you're a hero. You're a COVID hero, a vertigo hero, I have vertigo. and a deadline hero. Right. But uh, Hollywood Commentary <laughs> by Rob Long, commentary.org. Subscribe to the magazine. Go to the commentary. Go to Apple and, and, the, dispatch. and the dispatch. He's not Jonah's here. Not here. Jonah's dispatch. Subscribe to the dispatch. Yeah. Jonah will be back with us. And Rob, please, 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 please make sure that you take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. Hey, John, John, be safe. conversation. I'm so f-ing sick of f-ing. I okay. <laughs>